Welcome to Postwave. This is Eric. We're here with Trevor, and today we're talking about abstraction. Yeah, so abstraction was a concept that I learned pretty early on in my in my coding life, even before I was doing actual code. And this this was just in Maxim SP, which is a visual programming language that uh, is used for a lot of music and, and art stuff. And it's uh, it's basically just a you start out with a blank canvas that's just like a white screen, and then you create different uh, objects on them on the the white canvas, and each object has inputs and outputs and you basically connect the different objects with with patch cords, just like you would in like a like a synthesizer or modular synthesizer or something. Yeah, got got the good good references that everyone's gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how how would you explain it? <laughs> no, actually, that's perfect. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like or you know, like the old fashioned like phone line operator where they patch a yeah. cable into another. It's like yeah. the same kind of thing. <laughs> right. Everyone's gonna get that reference. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, so, so in in Max, the 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 they use the term abstraction for for when you take a bunch of those objects and hide them within a single object, um, and because that group of objects also has just inputs and outputs, you can you can treat the entire thing as its own object, and you don't have to worry about what's what's happening inside necessarily, and and it's basically basically a way to create your own objects that aren't built in to to the program. When you say object, that's kind of just like a thing that represents a task that runs. Yeah, yeah. And it could be it could you could give it a bunch of different parameters on how it's supposed to run or like how, you know, if it's a if it's just a simple like sine wave thing that you you're giving one of the inputs is is like how fast the the pitch changes. So you know it could be do with one input, or it could be do with uh-huh, like uh-huh, another input. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and it's not uh, the the object itself is not any either one of those. It's it's uh, it's it's more uh, abstract. Boom. Shall we say? <laughs> now this is a pretty abstract conversation right off the bat, which I love it. It's thematic. Um, but let's let's be explicit here let's tear it down uh so when you're saying like objects let's give some examples like you've got your signal generator that just makes a tone like you were saying you've got uh like a switch that'll make a channel uh, a connection go one way or the other you've got your gain slider that'll make the signal go louder or quieter things like that yeah yeah and you have you have something that exists in in pretty much all programming languages, which is a, a print print object, which just prints out 
whatever whatever data it receives so you can see it uh, mm, in the right. in the little little uh i guess it's not the console what 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 would you call the um what is it called in in max with the uh, i think it's just called the max window or something like that yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so and it's specifically max msp this is a program that is typically used for music production because not only can it generate audio and basically the only limit of the audio it can generate is your imagination which as cheesy as that sounds but also your you know ability to use these tools to construct the exact thing that you want it to do yeah yeah it's it's like it's like i, I keep using the modular synthesizer reference but <laughs> which i yeah i don't know how many people will will know what that is but it's kind of it's like infinitely customizable. <laughs> like if mm. you're if you're playing with like guitar pedals and stuff, it's cool, but a certain pedal only does so much, right? You can't you can't really unless you're going to go in and like solder it and electrically engineer it yourself. You mm. can't really change the basic functionalities of the of the pedal. Yeah. But in Max, you can. I mean, if you you know, I'm trying to trying to think of examples. <laughs> um, you know, you you could create an infinite chain of echoes. It's just like, you know, a hundred echoes in a row <laughs> without, you know, having to buy that many pedals. And it's just, uh, mm. it's like much, much easier to, to customize. Yeah. In a sense, it's like you're creating your own pedals from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Super cool. I, I loved playing with that program. Yeah. When I was doing that kind of thing, that was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great way to to learn about programming because it has it has pretty much all of the basic functionalities of a programming language, but it's it's in this like visual format, so it's it's way easier to conceptualize what's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Just as an aside, this is not a promotion. We just like this tool. We learned it in college. Uh, we did we were we in the same class together or no? I took it. A, I remember you were doing it earlier, and I was like jealous because i couldn't take it yeah because i hadn't taken the intro to music uh, tech class and it looked when, really cool. when you took the, that that was with hunter as well i took it with michael theodore oh okay cool which is really cool yeah, yeah. both yeah excellent educators yeah so why do you bring up max msp in this discussion of abstraction so so it was the first place i heard the word abstraction used in in the the computer science sense and at the time, I, I literally, I had so little knowledge about programming that I thought it was just a thing specific to Max. Like, oh, this is what we call it when you put all these, these like all this complex uh, network of objects into like a single object that just has a, has one name and you, you don't see it, the, the underlying complexity. Mm. Like I, th I thought, oh yeah, this, in Max, this is called an abstraction. I don't really understand why you would do that because all it, it just seemed to like hide like it just seemed to be like a visual thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Like it's just this 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 patch, this program looks really complicated visually. I'm gonna, I want to make it simpler visually by hiding the some of the complexity, so I can uh, so I can see kind of the bigger picture. And then if I need to see the details, I can you know you can always click on the object box and open it up and see what's what's inside. Right. So maybe a good analogy is like I don't know a car where it's made up of like a thousand little parts uh little machines that do their thing and they have a name like this is the engine this is the 
axle i don't know i don't know a lot of car parts this is the differential um and each of them is a distinct unit on its own and it does a task but when you put them all together you need a way to refer to that thing that they all are a composite of and so you say mm-hmm. it's a car yeah yeah and i think i think the 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 idea of abstraction and the idea of a user interface aren't exactly the same, but I think they're definitely related because when you're when you're interacting with a car, you just have, you know, you have the steering wheel, you have the brakes and the gas, maybe you have like a gear shift, you have like the blinkers and stuff, but you're not you're not like going into the circuits and saying, "Okay, you know, flip this switch, uh, give this thing this much power." Um, it's all it's all it's all kind of hidden from you and you just have this this very simple intuitive interface that lets you do very what what are in reality very complicated things right yeah absolutely you're not uh leaning in there sucking in the diesel into the intake <laughs> <laughs> sucking and spitting out into the igniter <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's how they had to do in the olden times you know Back before when i was a boy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, I think I think Max is is a great introduction to that, and uh, it's like we said, this is not a promotion, and it is a very uh, expensive software program, especially if you're not in school, <laughs> mm. um, and don't get that sweet educational discount. But there is an open source version of it called Pure Data, or PD, and that's uh, same same functionality pretty much. It's just a little little clunkier, and I think actually like so Max is definitely used like I think mostly in the music world, but it's also used for for like all kinds of art because the basic idea is you can you can take any input in and produce any output so mm. and i like i did a i did a piece for for trumpet and electronics uh max msp and and a smartphone mm. and i put the smartphone uh in an exercise band on my arm and then i was able to use the the gyroscope and accelerometer data from the phone to control different uh like parameters of of delays and and looping and stuff and uh we've used <laughs> we've used that piece on a, on a bunch of our episodes it's kind mm-hmm. of like what our go-to yeah uh, that's 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 one of my favorites music. actually <laughs> I, I i really enjoy listening to that piece <laughs> right on so kind of kind of like i was mentioning uh you can abstraction enables you to to collaborate with people a lot better because you could reuse objects that other people have created or you know even entire programs that other people have created mm-hmm. without without knowing the underlying details right and all, pretty much all of programming computer science is just this huge process of like these people figured out how to do this thing and now I don't need to know about any of the details of that I can just use the interface they gave me right totally and we we talked to, we talked in our I think our one of our computer science episodes about like the hierarchy in computers where at the very bottom level it's all just zeros and ones that are represented by by uh by switches transistors on the computer right yeah and then you have assembly language which sits on top of that and is seeming readable in a way that machine language really isn't but it's really tedious you have to literally like worry about transferring memory between different registers and how how integers and floating points are actually represented at the computer and mm. all, all that stuff and <laughs> it's it's still not very useful to do big complex things mm. but the general but, idea of that is right there you have like uh texts like words and stuff that represent small chunks of zeros and ones yeah yeah or or 
I guess certain operations on zeros and ones, right? Mm. I mean, I guess I, uh, this is kind of getting to the limit of, of my knowledge, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine one instruction in assembly language is, is like a few different instructions in, in machine language. Cause I know, I know definitely if you're looking at like C++ being uh, compiled to assembly language, there's, you know, there's multiple assembly language instructions for a single, a single function or a single, uh, even just like adding numbers is the plus sign is like a bunch of operations in assembly. Yeah. So this is, this is all. So as, as much as I have already like heard about this stuff, this is, uh, by no means, a field that I feel very comfortable in this very granular, uh, base level language of computer science. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm only into like what week is this of the semester? Just a little, little over a month into the semester, where I'm taking assembly language at, at Texas State San Marcos. So, I my knowledge is very limited. But I think I mentioned before that learning about assembly language and how how computers actually work, at least at least the part that you know it's a hierarchy of of more and more simple uh, languages. Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of blew my mind and made me want to, to you know learn how to how to program. That's really cool. Yeah, from my own experience going through this uh, coding boot camp, I've uh, had experience firsthand, at least on abstraction, on the higher levels of things. Um, and when we say higher level, I think sometimes people could interpret that as if, like we're saying, like the more uh, complicated, but it's actually kind of the opposite, right? It's the higher levels of abstraction that that refers to. It's the more simplified exterior that we interact with where under the hood lots of much more subtle more complicated or things are happening yeah yeah that, that is interesting i hadn't thought about that before when, when you hear the word abstract a lot of the times you know it's it's you're talking about something in math or philosophy and you'll hear someone say like yeah it's just like so abstract i, I can't like wrap my head around it but mm. in in Computer science, it's it's a it can be the opposite sometimes. Where like actually the abstract version is going to be way easier to understand than the the really detailed version with all the implementation and everything. Totally, and I think that's uh, something that we'll get into much deeper a little later on, either later in this episode or in its companion episode when we talk with Walker T. Roman, the artist uh, extraordinaire here on the island. Looking forward to that as we delve more into the artistic side of what abstraction can mean. Yeah, yeah. So one one of the one of the reasons I wanted to to talk about this on, on this episode, and because uh, it's, it's something I think about a lot. But the other day, I forget I forget where I was or what I was doing when I had this idea. But the so like like we were saying, the the bottom level of of abstraction in a computer is usually considered to be the the zeros and the ones, right? Yeah. Or the or the if you want to go to like the physical thing, it's the it's the transistors, right? Mm -hmm. But really, the bottom bottom level is electricity and electrons, right? <laughs> That's what's actually flowing around in the in the the wires doing all the work, right? Yeah. And it's just that the pattern of electrons <laughs> is the bottom layer layer of abstraction, and that that just kind of blew my mind a little bit that we're hacking the bottom layer 
I mean, maybe electrons are at the bottom layer. We don't actually know. Pretty close to the bottom layer of reality to do all this amazing, uh, you know, computation and, and create all this amazing technology that that has changed and enhanced everyone's lives. Yeah. So. Yeah, it literally feels like magic. You know, I'm sure. Yeah. You, I'm sure you've heard the definition of magic, where like any sufficiently advanced technology is identical to magic. Yeah. <laughs> but when you put it in terms of like through our like intellectual machinations, we are directly influencing electrons movement in such a subtle way to drastically transform the world around us in otherwise inexplicable ways. I mean, like that to me as a fantasy nerd, literally, I think <laughs> is the same as magic you know yeah it's not just identical from looking outside it like on a fundamental level that's what magic has always been to me in those novels where i think feel like feel like you know the power of like that that direct influence of your will on the world uh to tap into something so minuscule and subtle a very fabric of reality and transform the world around you yeah, man, that, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, there's also like the, uh, the 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 question of how how far back would you have to go to show someone an iPhone and they would literally die of shock <laughs> from like how you know? <laughs> yeah, probably not that far. Probably not that far. <laughs> I mean, yeah, take take your pick, you know, airliner, whatever. Um, but yeah, we're learning, and with with AI, we're learning to use electrons to learn things about the world. Like we're <laughs> learning about the world using using electrons, which is crazy. Pretty darn cool. So speaking of like all this amazing progress, I think that in itself is is built on abstraction, kind of like I was saying earlier, right? Like we can only make all this crazy progress because the we're we're standing on the shoulders of people who who figured out the the hard uh you know lower level stuff and you know created all these languages like python and and c++ uh from from much more basic materials and like that's what that's what makes all this like technological proce- uh progress possible is we're able to abstract details away and let people go even further with the tools that that we create yeah like yeah laying the foundation so people don't have to reinvent the wheel they can use the tools that we made in order to make better tools right right makes me think of that wonderful webcomic one of my favorites sadly very uh not prolific uh it's called doris mick comics have you ever seen any of those uh unless you've showed them to me probably not i might have yeah, so it makes me think of that one where there's like a blob creature and they have like really crude arm things and they sit down and work their craft to make these hands, like really kind of crude clay hands, and then they put them on. And they use those hands to make a much more fine hand, and then they put those on, and then they use those to make super intricate, delicate hands. Mm-hmm. And then they take those off and they put them on the wall in, in a frame. <laughs> wow <laughs> so deep so 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 much so that's why i love doris mccomics because it's like subtle and layered and like in a 
not bold, not obvious way a lot of the time. It's just mm-hmm. like there's undercurrents of meaning that mm-hmm. were baked in into the craft with a lot of intention. Mm-hmm. Dang. Even though the art is like crude as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't a lot of the the strips just end with Odo. Like one of the characters. Oh, oh, okay, so that that's an offshoot by the same artist. Oh, um, okay. Which is actually, I, I those were fun for a bit, but they're not the the Doris McComics that I love because that that's just kind of like a running gag of. Uh-huh. Ab- I guess in a certain way, the Oh No comics, which are always you know super one hundred percent crude, like hilariously simplified, and not only in like story and joke composition but also the art it's like just absolute blobs uh and every single one ends with the someone saying oh no uh, <laughs> i guess in a certain sense that's an abstraction from the form of web comics in general what do you what, what the fuck do you mean by that <laughs> you know because it's like taking the essence of like the the art form you know you got your panels you have crude characters speech bubbles and predictable punchlines mm-hmm. yeah and it's like <laughs> taking that essence and just like making that the only thing you know yeah you you could say that's also kind of like irony or postmodernism or whatever because it's like ref- referencing the the, like the memes and the like the kind of tropes and cliches of of the genre and and like in some way self-consciously making fun of the the clichedness i guess <laughs> definitely that, that's absolutely true which is interesting because do you think that means that there's an inherent connection between abstraction and postmodernism that's an interesting question i mean we will i guess we'll get this kind of connects to the, the art thing because <laughs> I, if you if you take a novel like infinite jest i i don't know like do you think most people would say that's a pretty abstract novel abstract uh, maybe i mean <laughs> someone might use the term abstract to infer that it's has kind of arcane non-obvious meaning mm-hmm. and that the, uh, the form of it as well is a little bit um i don't know like like the way that it starts off uh spoiler for a second here if you haven't read it plug your ears for 10 seconds um starts off with like that little the first chapter and you know that's like the last chapter like you're expected to get to the end and be like, what the fuck? Where's the last third of the book? And then you uh-huh. go back and read the first chapter and like ties in all these clues to, to like infer the, the meaning. I mean that, I guess in a certain sense could be, could, would you call it that abstract? That, but I guess that, I don't know if that's really a spoiler cause you didn't get any plot points. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to finish it, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think that, I don't think that's abstract. I don't think I would call it an abstract. Not novel, but I think it's it would definitely be considered postmodern, right? Yeah, like oh, nineties. It's like yeah. intended to be post postmodern, which is yeah, in fact, just incredibly postmodern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know what what abstract literature would even look like. <laughs> oh, 
It was. I mean, there's there's one there's one novel. I'm not gonna remember the name of. Uh, I think a pretty famous author. I think from somewhere in Asia, but it's literally literally just kind of about like subatomic particles or something like that. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I remember there was a no, a, a, a reading from a long novel that, for some inexplicable reason, my music theory teacher taught me. I don't know if you had the same teacher. I forget his name. He was kind of a sweet guy, also kind of a dork, and had this huge fixation on like literature. Like I kind of felt like he missed his calling as an English teacher, and it was just making do as a music teacher because like half the time he'd like be trying to feed us literature and like analyze the lyrics of uh german leader yeah um but there was this excerpt he had us read from a book where it was it was all kind of gibberish didn't quite make sense the words were like completely used wrong and like mish mishmashed up into uh nonsense except for it was like kind of actually implying uh some sort of meaning like i remember there was one fragment of a sentence it was something like and the vital minds is toast and the something something and it was like the general idea even though it's like not in proper english at all or even english really is that like people are eating breakfast (laughs) dang yeah, I guess I guess you could say. I mean, I've I've never read it, but Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce is kind of famously really, really hard to parse. Hmm. Even though there's even though there's there's definitely a plot there, and there's there's characters. It's it's. I mean, there's there's made up words, and the grammar is all weird. I, again, I haven't I haven't read it, but interesting. I guess that could be. I wonder if that considered. was the that was the book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe was it was it Professor Schaefer? Schaefer. That does sound familiar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I had him. I had him too. Yeah, so it kind of this kind of gets into the the whole abstract art question, and I think we were we were talking at some point before we were recording about Picasso and whether Picasso is abstract. Yeah, and I think from from what I from what I've read, he did he never considered himself abstract. Mm-hmm. I think I think he actually said that abstract art doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he he was never he was never one of those like uh abstract expressionists that you see where it's just kind of like paint <laughs> uh-huh. um or even even uh abstract artists like uh vasily kandinsky who who is like it's very like geometric and stuff mm. uh but picasso there's always there's always a subject and then it's just distorted through cubism and i mean a lot of there's like one one painting that's just supposed to be a bottle of rum and you cannot tell there's really supposed to be a bottle in the picture. <laughs> like if you, if you know you're what you're looking for, then maybe you could see like part of it, but, mm. and he has other, he has this other series of sketches or paintings. I think that's a, like a, a series of painting of bulls, but they're like bulls as in like the animal. <laughs> and each one is more kind of stripped down and bare than the last. And by the end, it's just kind of lines. Mm. Um, and, so that 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 kind of is is very much like abstraction, right? Like the process of just like stripping away all the all the details, and it's just kind of the bare the bare like idea of it, right? Yeah, before totally. you actually flesh it out. Yeah, right. And that it's like there's an it, there's a subject of which there is an abstract, the of which the art is is an abstraction, mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. a lot of abstract art 
mm-hmm. where there is not a clear subject at all like things like yeah. explorations and texture and that kind mm-hmm. of thing here's a crazy idea so what what if the the way to create an abstract like novel or work of literature is to make up a bunch of words and then have the story itself be very short but then have each word have a definition in the back that's just like pages long <laughs> and then once you once you understand what the words mean, then you can understand what the sentence sentences are saying. But hmm. it's that each each word is so loaded with meaning <laughs> that that it's it's just doing so much work. <laughs> wow, that's fucking cool. I I would love to read a, a well written book like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course you could have other other words in the definitions that also have their own definitions that you have to <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so fucking self-indulgent i love it <laughs> no that's actually kind of great i'll have to i'll have to get a, a friend who is a writer and just like plant that idea in their head and yes 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 walk away no, that's that's actually really cool though, because it makes me think about language. Again, something we've talked about before, in the context of Terence McKenna and his concept of language, um, that language is an abstraction from the truth. Right? It's mm-hmm. every word, every sentence, every paragraph, no matter how finely crafted, is not exactly the same as the truth it's always a little bit off it's uh, never fully precise and the best we can do is just kind of throw forms out there and hope that those forms are performant and that other people will understand the core meaning even when that meaning is inevitably elusive right right because like many words have multiple definitions or, or different connotations depending on the person, right? Mm, and context and, and all that. Yeah, and you can never be sure which one the person intended. And so that that yeah, words words are kind of abstractions in that they, they kind of hide the definition and they're just used to symbolize that. But the definitions are I mean, not not everyone has read the same dictionary. Mm. A lot of people probably have not read the dictionary definition for a lot of words they use. You know, probably probably most of the words we use like we probably haven't read the definition let alone remember it Mm. you know yeah we kind of build up our own definitions through context of how we've heard the words used in the past Mm -hmm. and we have like all these multiple layers of meaning that each word can encompass and you can feel into that meaning and use that to craft words to craft expression to convey an idea or a sensation but um at some point there's a gap that has to be bridged in the person who's interpreting you someone who has to look at that form that you spewed out there and say i know it's not the same as this idea but it's so similar and I'm going to interpret that they meant it as this idea. Right, right. And and I think j- jumping up a level a little bit, maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but but I think our minds themselves are abstractions of our brain. 
right? Our consciousness mm. and our, our, because our perception of the world is seamless for, for lack of a better wor- word, right? We don't, we don't notice the individual photons hitting our eye. We don't notice every single nerve fiber in our body at any time. Right. We don't, we aren't aware that what's creating our consciousness is this brain with, you know, billions or trillions of neurons. I forget, I forget the number, but it's, it's just this experience that we can interact with through thought, I guess, and our, and our senses. And again, the, the details of it are, are hidden from us and we don't have to worry about them. That's you know? fascinating. And then even on uh, taking that a step further, like we're not aware of all the thoughts that go on in our own heads. We're hardly aware of a minuscule portion of that. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it depends what you mean by thought. Because I, for me, a thought is something that you are aware of, like kind of by definition. Mm. Like, because you have to. I mean, maybe maybe there there are some like <laughs> call them like proto thoughts or something that are like in your subconscious that will eventually bubble up. But I think for something to be a thought, it has to it has to be conscious. Mm. Even if even if you know even if you aren't self aware that you're having the thought, because that's like another level. But just just the, the the fact that you're aware of it and you're actively thinking of it i think that that for something to be a thought i think it has to have have that that's really fascinating and i think i think i disagree entirely um i don't think it's possible to have a thought that isn't uh born of consciousness however the mistake that we make over and over again is in thinking that that uh consciousness is separate from ourselves you know failing to recognize the uh the connection you know even within our own minds we can have thoughts arise um decisions we make that we make before we even know why we made them and only in reflection after the fact do we uh unearth the reasons and motivations and uh intention intention behind that decision yeah i mean i think yeah you're definitely right motivations can be under the surface and influence what we do but i I still wouldn't call those thoughts like motivations are kind of underlying it's like it's it's like yeah it's like the gears in your brain that you don't see maybe you can become aware of them over time as you like observe patterns in your own your own behavior but i don't think yeah, I would I would distinguish motivations and and thought. Hmm. Oh man, I so disagree. So disagree. <laughs> this is awesome. This is cool. <laughs> Cage match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better watch out. I got the 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 knives glued onto my ankles. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're gonna you regret regret telling me that. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> i don't know i mean like think about uh okay go full post wave here dostoyevsky he wrote a novel one of his shorter ones called the double and this is a really fascinating dive into like an exploration of what it would be like to be psychotic in such a way that you believe that there's like this other person they're screwing with you all the time and they're mm-hmm. like they're talking to you 
but in mm-hmm. reality they're just another aspect of yourself another mm-hmm. part of you another dare i say consciousness in your mind in your brain that is alive and capable of thought capable of intention but still uh, a part of you interesting yeah and, and this kind of also brings up the whole like split brain thing and the idea that there's there might be islands of consciousness within our brain that what we what we perceive as ourselves is not aware of yes right absolutely and, yeah and and kind of like i was saying like if if you have a any conscious thought you have has bubbled up from somewhere in your subconscious brain mm-hmm. or at least at least well i don't know either either subconscious or non-linguistic i guess mm-hmm. and or because it, it could be both but uh I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what it re- would really mean to be conscious and non-linguistic. Really? Well, I don't know. I guess I guess I mean I guess sensation is is conscious and non-linguistic, but like mm. the the or I guess feelings, I don't know. It's a Yeah, no. I I think you're on to some sensations, perceptions that Okay, bring it back. Post wave. That experience of when you're I don't know if you've had this, but when you're peeking on a psychedelic substance and you like have an intense visceral experience of right now of being alive being conscious in this moment and being incapable of putting it into words Mm -hmm. yeah because yeah no no words do it justice and you're the 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 boundaries between everything kind of start to break down and there's just there's just everything just is you know totally yes <laughs> and uh in such an experience I, I i don't know have you ever felt like a revitalization or a renaissance of understanding of what a word means like you see the word you speak the word and that word is like a visceral entity and it encompasses all these concepts all the multitude of different ways it could be interpreted and things, concepts that that word encompasses. And they're all true and they're all there. They're all actual, real ideas with substance. All there in that word. Huh. I I don't think I've had that kind of profound experience. I've definitely had the much more mundane experience of... I can't think of an example right now, but, but... seeing a very normal word or relatively normal word that I see a lot and, and realizing what the root is or what it means. Uh, like mm. I think uh, it was something to do with creativity, uh, rec- recreation, the word recreation, right? Oh, like recreation. Like, it's literally recreation. Like you, you're like building back something that like got kind of worn down by working or whatever, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. No, that's definitely a part of it. That's, that's actually a big part of it. Cause I think mm-hmm. that language encompasses all this hidden wisdom that has been accrued over generation and generation of more and more subtlety. And even though we're not fully conscious of all the subtleties that we're accruing, it's there. And that the meaning is there, you know, it, it's in the language and, by speaking it, we are privy to it. You know, we are utilizing that subtlety. We are being that subtle. Yeah. 
if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. So to bring in yet another uh, one of our favorite topics, I think this whole idea of abstraction also connects very much to Donald Hoffman's idea that reality cannot be what we see. Like there, there's not necessarily any connection between what we see or experience and base reality, whatever that is, because evolution, evolution did not uh, optimize for that. Like it, it's uh, evolution is purely optimized for for survival and reproduction, right, and fitness. Right. And in that, I'm not sure if it was him, but when people are talking about that kind of thing they they talk about how the objects that we see are basically the user interface of the universe right right and the you know the coffee cup is basically just you know the coffee cup on the table in front of you is just this icon that you can use to just like an icon on your desktop that you can use to interact with with the world Mm -hmm. and just like you know no one no one thinks that the icon on your desktop is like that's that's actually the application it's just a or even you know even the even if you're like opening photoshop or whatever and doing things like that's not really what's happening the really like we said <laughs> the real thing that's happening is just electrons and wires right mm. and and so i think i think there yeah there's there's a in a similar way to how abstraction hides complexity in in programming it the objects are an abstraction of the subatomic particles that make them up and whatever's below the subatomic particles quantum fields or whatever Hmm. that's a fascinating idea yeah like the coffee cup you could see it as a coffee cup but only if you have this model of what a coffee cup is in your mind and if not then you can only see it within the context of things that you understand and if you're in a place of total openness and with no preconceptions whatsoever you know, maybe the only way you can experience it is as this, like, physical particles in space or, like, waveforms, you know? Yeah, and of course, the, the thing is we we cannot imagine what's that, what that's like at all because we're probably just imagining some, like, visual <laughs> representation of it, which is, you know, like, if you if you ask me to imagine what the, the quantum field of a coffee cup looks like, <laughs> I'm going to imagine this, like, graph paper-looking thing that's like dark blue and there's some kind of like peak activity, you know, mm. it's just like on the graph in like three or whatever. And like, that's the best I can do. I mean, there, and then there's some, and it's math basically. It's just math. Right. Hmm. <laughs> as, as far as we can tell. I mean, that's a really interesting idea. And I think there's absolute truth in the fact that when lacking anything better, we'll default to mathematical models and visualizations based on what we know. And maybe the reason we do that is because 
they are true. There's something inherent about them that reflects the experience that we're having. Interesting. Uh, could you say say more about how that reflects the experience we're totally uh so since we're on post wave first time i did acid was in a room and uh i've talked about this before on the podcast but you know i'm sitting on the couch and then suddenly like i'm i'll i'll skip over the interesting part that doesn't have to do with what i'm saying here you know i peek um then later on you know i'm standing around i'm looking at my friends around here and i look at each individual one and in my head kind of conceptually uh projected onto everything i'm seeing are Mm -hmm. visual spectra of colored lights uh rainbow colors but you know not like all of the spectrum everything look at has its own unique signature you know its own combination of overtones that gives it its own unique timbre and specifically as i look at these individuals i'm seeing what i interpret as their personality their dare i say soul you know what comprises that person and seeing it as like this waveform this colorful spectral waveform wow (laughs) I, this is this is where I start to question how how tied to reality the things that psychedelics show us are. Mm. But I mean, we know from quantum mechanics that on a certain level, that's really what's going on, right? You know, if you have a particle, it can be described as a waveform, and any complex interaction of particles can be described as a more complicated waveform, which will be described as a a signature, a unique signature of overtones. Right, but you seeing these specific visual effects is not the the same thing, even if there's like a metaphor there. Mm. Like maybe your brain is imprinting that metaphor because it was was prior knowledge or something. I don't know if it was prior knowledge at the time you had that experience, but I think, yeah, I do think we have to be careful about ascribing any reality mm-hmm. to you know any, any i mean that that is interesting i i don't know how much prior knowledge i had i'm sure there had been some exposure to you know like seeing spectra but um i think it's interesting just to consider like why out of the literally infinite possible visualizations i could have it was that like this this mathematical uh representation and to me, I don't know, it felt anyway at the time and even afterward as though there was something true, like like I was seeing a very real representation of actual ideas. And to a very limited extent afterward, I actually feel like uh, through self-reflection, I was able to analyze and pull apart uh, and derive actual... Uh, concrete meaning from those abstract ideas yeah i mean if 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 you can gain meaning from it i guess that's the most important thing and and it's interesting too because you know people will talk about on acid they see all the colors and stuff um but to i i have i have to i have to distinguish here 
the experience I had, and I was aware of this at the time, of seeing these spectra was not literally in the physical space around me. It was not in my visual field, but it was a mental model in my head that I was putting together to help make sense of the very real visceral experience I was having. And, you know, I would see it and I would associate it in my uh, mind, like as if it were over those people, but all the while knowing that this is in my head, you know, this is something that only exists in my head. Wow. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to find that explanation very abstract, but <laughs> it, was be- it, was be- it was beautiful. It made sense to me. <laughs> oh, good. I- I- that's great. I mean, I'm so glad. Like, I'm just throwing abstract forms out there in the form of language in the hopes that someone can take them in and find some sort of meaning, you know? I guess the one other thing I want to say on this topic before we move on is, you know, when you're in the psychedelic experience, I think there's something about that experience that strips away your prior conceptions. You know, I forgot so much when I was in that moment. There was, like, my identity, like, I thought I forgot how to play guitar which was like, you know, the core thing of my personality at that time. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that anymore, you know? And it's like <laughs> forgetting words. Every time I do a psychedelic, I've always, you know, like I, uh, I was over at my aunt's house, not fully come down from a mushroom trip, and she was showing me these bowls she, that she had created in porcelain, these beautiful bowls and uh, how they made a really cool ringing sound when you struck them. And they're all elliptically shaped. And so she says, these are my elliptical bowls. And I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? What, 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 what's that word? <laughs> you know, like I've completely forgot so much <laughs> language, so much of everything I knew about the world. And I think that's the core of the psychedelic experience, that it strips all that away and so the only thing you can experience is, like a newborn, the world unfiltered right before you. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely identify with the newborn thing. It's exactly how I felt the first time <laughs> I, I did acid. And, and for the forgetting things, too, because I forgot everything, <laughs> which is why I felt like uh, a newborn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Are you like going up to people on, on on the side of the creek and saying like, "Who am I?" This is this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's kind of it's kind of funny because I feel like, yeah, I definitely you know I went on Arrowhead and like read the list of effects and read about people talking about their experiences and you know, probably saw the words ego death somewhere multiple times but it it I, I didn't know anything about meditation or psychedelics or anything so it didn't click with me what that actually was or or how how profound the experience is because these these words like euphoria and ego death and uh i don't know if dissociation is one of the usually that's not something that people talk about with with psychedelics it's like a different mm. thing but any any of the words uh that are used to describe it don't don't do it justice mm. And it's it's yeah it's it's kind of impossible to to convey because because the words are abstract and because if you've never experienced the thing that the words are actually referring to you you 
will have a very different idea of what those words actually mean when you're when you're feeling them in the middle of, of them yeah well that's so true <laughs> <laughs> damn so i guess have we really talked about abstraction and music yet no kind of, briefly yeah a little bit yeah so so the what one of my favorite bands of all time and, and definitely one of my favorite prog rock bands of all time is the band yes mm. who like started in the 60s late 60s and and are still still around in, in some form and uh, john anderson who's the the lead vocalist or was he's like the main canonical lead vocalist he a lot of his lyrics he he said that he uses words more for the sound than for the the meaning hmm. which I can't decide if that's abstract. Like, it's funny because people would people would say that that is like the closest thing besides instrumental music that that music has to abstract art, you know. Mm. But at the same time, there's none of the if if other words have are supposed to have any meaning, then there's no like hidden depth to them, and it's just all the surface sounds, you know. Yeah. It's a really interesting line to line to walk. I think it can go it it can get old really fast unless you're doing it very intentionally. Yeah. One uh notable example I think that does it really well is of course the Mars Volta. Mm-hmm. Or that's basically yeah. all their lyrics, right? <laughs> uh well I mean there's there's always a thread of something running through all their songs, mm. I think. I mean it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Picasso. Like there's there's some central story or theme, but there's so much crazy stuff going on and at, with the lyrics, and some of them are in Spanish, and it's 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 hard to yeah, it's hard to tell, especially if you don't if you're looking at the lyrics, like what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I think the vast majority of their songs, if not all, uh, they yeah, there's there's some story or theme, and aesthetic aesthetics actually been like more vocal about uh giving explanations for things on on instagram now. oh that's cool um, he'll just like yeah uh because amputecture had its 15th anniversary recently their third album and he 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 just i think that day he just kind of gave a dump of like oh yeah this this song was based on this this song was based on this this song was based on this <laughs> <laughs> that's cool i think i think all, all the all the songs of that album have like a religious some kind of religious theme oh really yeah Oh, uh, which album? Amputecture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, my main experience is with Francis the Mute. And while, mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely themes that tie it together, like uh, like he's pursuing some lady named Elia and wants... He, oh, Elvia? Elvia, is it? Yeah. You know, is it that he wants to kill her with, or that she wants to kill herself, but like he's like chasing her down? something uh i don't actually know i i i mean that the a lot of the lyrics like in in the first track cygnus cygnus fism and cygnus are talking about like birth and Mm. uh abortion and stuff like that interesting and and there's also i never i never got that yeah and i think uh what's the more glance caressed your fontanelle (laughs) What's that? I mean, morgue lance would be like a knife in the morgue, 
and fontanelle i think is like the soft part at the top of your head it might even be like the part on a baby's head that's not fused oh, before geez. it's yeah Dang. um i definitely um, i definitely get the sense of like imagery about dead rotting corpses <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and there's a lot there i think there's there's definitely a bunch of sexual stuff involved especially in the last track <laughs> <laughs> there was a pale syrup dripping off his lap danced lapel <laughs> punctuated by her decrepit torso something like that uh i actually don't know what i looked i looked lyrics to that song because I, I just became like obsessed with it <laughs> over the past, like more obsessed with it than I was already. Um, and I always misheard that word, uh, but I forget what it actually was. Yeah. Wash down the hatching gizzard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. So like, while there is a thread of meaning that can be picked out, the words and sentences themselves are nonsensical at the core. Which I think is a re- I, really cool. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are, you know, like the grammatical doesn't grammatical structure doesn't make sense. <laughs> the words have seemingly nothing to do with each other. The grammatical sense structure does not make. Sense. <laughs> 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 yeah. I I don't know. I I still I still I still disagree. I think there's uh, like do you have do you have an example of of like lyrics that are grammatically broken? Yeah, let me pull up some lyrics here. Okay, I mean, like, uh, my nails peel back when the taxidermist ruined goose stepped, the freckling impatience, and all the brittle tomes, 500 little cues, I'm splitting hairs to match the faces. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess there's, <laughs> I love that we're getting to, like, in-depth analysis of Marsville lyrics on this <laughs> But, um, but I mean, there's a there's a there's a mixing of tense there because it's my nails peel back. But then when the taxidermist ruined that, that mm. like doesn't quite make sense, right? Yeah. Um, but the rest of it, I, it makes. I mean, it like sure, it's it's hard to understand. But I think there, I think there is something there. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what's so cool about it, is like you think there's something there, but it's like, can you be sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so. So this this whole album was based on some like old diaries they found in a junkyard. I think mm. back when like Jer- Jeremy Michael Ward was who's like kind of like was supposed to be the third main member with Cedric and Omar. Like he he died of a heroin overdose, but they all fa- they found these journals together. And I think that one of the themes of the album is kind of like searching for your roots and trying to find out where you came from, that kind of thing. And so. 500 little cues, I'm splitting hairs to match the faces. I think that's kind of like trying to figure out who your family is and who, you know, where you come from. And I mean, the, hmm. I have no idea what goose step the freckling impatience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, this is so, it, it's very impressionistic, right? There's like mm-hmm. senses that you could interpret it, but no, mm-hmm. the, the, the structure of it itself defies uh the certainty of your interpretation Mm -hmm. which is i think really cool yeah yeah but like like i was saying lots of lots of like birth references i mean like crumb the fetal mirage uh an abortion that survived a lineage of bastard mastication Mm, yes will they feed us the womb Mm, that's really cool yeah i mean huh i i always kind of got imagery of like 
uh, maggots and I mean they literally say maggots, but you know like critters mm-hmm. and stuff eating a body. Mm-hmm. Very very rich for interpretation. Like it could definitely mean a lot of different things, but yeah, I think I do think there is like a a a interpretation that was intended. Hmm. I mean, the same way I have an interpretation of my own music, but I I am very open to people thinking whatever they want about it. You know. Cool. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I sent an email to the members of the band Tally Hall asking for interpretation about uh, the lyrics of one of their songs, and they uh, wrote back to me very nice. Uh, and, and but but first they asked, you know, like, what does it mean to you? And you know, when I when I told them, they responded back and said, well, yeah, that's I mean, that's all true. But then also for me, it meant this, these things. So yeah, then then there's music that doesn't have lyrics at all, right? <laughs> that, hmm. and I think a lot of people would make a very direct connection between instrumental music and abstract art, um, because there's no obvious. I mean, I guess unless, <laughs> I guess unless you're talking about like music concrete, which is like literally sounds that would exist in the environment. So I mean, I, I guess sounds of like a running stream or traffic, hmm. or you know, dogs barking or something that you you'd right away be able to pick up the what it was supposed to, you know b yeah um yeah like what is uh polyphonic baroque music yeah yeah (laughs) um i I think it's just supposed to represent like a a mood i mean like yeah it's interesting i think they, they have moods i'm sure in mind when they write the pieces and then it's like but what does the genre itself represent and to what, do you, what do you mean the genre itself like for example baroque counterpoint um you know think like bach and uh that kind of music it's so if you th- ever think about like our 12 tone system you know you have 12 equally divided pitches and so when you do that it lets you play in multiple octaves it's great for keyboard stuff it lets you play in multiple di- multiple keys as well but each each interval, each pitch, as you know, Trevor, is slightly off from the harmonic series. But the progressions that have become prevalent in those styles all are hinting at the harmonic series. You know, like even even uh, tonal directionality. Um, uh, the system of harmony it's all built uh, around more or less approximating the harmonic series yeah yeah and and kind of making compromises so that you can do things like play it play it in different keys and and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it is so yeah and it's so uh fascinating to me to like see these intricately woven pieces but then like oh they're really all they're doing is like they're hanging out in like the first five steps of the harmonic series and then they progress to like the seventh step and then they maybe hang out in the ninth step and then they go back to the seventh step yeah <laughs> that's like basically the whole thing they're doing yeah yeah and bach, bach is an int- interesting example because i mean he wrote he wrote masses and things that have like religious connotations behind them but i mean like the, the well-tempered clavier doesn't have any plot right there's nothing extra musical it's supposed to represent mm-hmm. um and even you know even even through uh even through i guess like mozart the the 
there were there there was opera, but there wasn't really programmatic music in the sense of this is purely instrumental, but it has a story that goes with it, and the music is supposed to depict the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think I mean I have, I have I'm sure there's some earlier example, but the earliest example I can think of is Beethoven's uh, Pastoral Symphony, his sixth symphony, which has like kind of thunder sounds and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like the shepherd song out in the field and and that kind of thing and and. Uh, and obviously, uh, so, uh, this is after that. But Symphony Fantastique by Berlioz has a has a story. Mm. Um, so that that would be that would be a kind of instrumental music that I would say is is like the least abstract possible. Totally. Also, I, I think listen the act of listening to music, especially if you don't know anything about it, isn't that kind of an abstraction of what's actually happening? Because you don't you don't need to know any of the details about they are playing this note with these rhythms at these tempos. Mm using these techniques like these kinds of harmonies like it just it just you're affected by it and you don't need to know the the underlying (laughs) (laughs) implementation that's a really fascinating idea yeah because the the way that musicians who know the craft interact with the music is often so different from anyone who can just appreciate the music but maybe they don't know why they like a particular song or, or gravitated toward certain themes yeah, that's how that's how pop music happens because the the audience doesn't know what they're into, but the people writing the songs do, uh-huh. and so they they just all do this. Every song does the same thing for like a year. Me. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! I could die. <laughs> I oh I figured if you if we told you this, Maddie is like. I've seen her like uh, maybe not literally gag, but she hates that kind of indie like oh, oh, oh stuff like so. Uh, <laughs> it's just uh, kind of kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, But also like yeah. like the regga- reggaeton beat. Do you know what that is? Yeah, <laughs> and it's in like so much. I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with it. Like it sounds cool, but uh, it's it's just everyone decided it had to be in. Everyone has to have the the reggaeton song. Uh-huh. Yeah, my, my Mexican friend was like showing me some reggaeton. I was like, okay, so it's basically just pop music. She's like, no, no, it's reggaeton. It's like, okay, so reggaeton is pop music that is. <laughs> and you could also do it at different tempos. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure not every song sounds like that. I mean, I, I, I don't really know the that well. <laughs> But yeah, I'm still I'm still blown away by how when I first learned about this idea, I had no idea just how philosophically interesting it is and and powerful and and just the basis of so much that we we take for granted, you know, in in human progress and technology and 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 all that. Yeah, I think in a certain sense it really does permeate everything about our experience of the world. Yeah, and because of the nature of it, we don't notice. Yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Bam.